broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Here's your host, Randy Tobler. Good morning. Welcome to another, another busy day on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. The temperatures are frigid. We both have our sweaters on. Make sure you put yours on as you leave the house this morning. Things were uh, frigid for Joe Biden yesterday in the Michigan primaries. We'll talk about that. Nikki Haley and, of course, Donald Trump. Uh, Some surprise filing. Well, one surprise filing in the Missouri first day of uh, filing for office. I'm Randy Tobler, along with Stephanie Bell, Hannah producer over there who I brought chocolate for both of them today and uh, John Marsh so it's going to be a big day because chocolate abounds we had a great event last (laughs) night many people have signed up for the Switzerland trip thank you if you were there and if you're still considering it there might be one or two slots left so you can log on to 93.9 the eagle or kws.com learn more about that the Michigan primaries lots of um well, let's say protest votes for Joe Biden yesterday, Stephanie. A ton. A ton. And Rashida Tlaib was, I'm I'm not going to vote. I'm voting uh, what, what for uncommitted because I don't like his Gaza policy. Huge uh, Arab American community up there in Michigan. Yeah, and Michigan's really important. You know, and it, you got to wonder, I still have people in my close circles who think he is not going to be the candidate. And you have to wonder after the showing yesterday if the Democrats start their, I mean, I think they're already on that plan of trying to find a way to push him out. You're right. And this was Brett Baer's analysis of how Donald Trump is uh, just crushing Nikki Haley. If you look a little closer into some of these counties, here's Macomb County. This is kind of the working class. This is the home to traditional Reagan Democrats. It is now Trump country. Some of these other counties, Oakland County, again, a big spread. If you go over to Washtenaw County, this is home to University of Michigan. If there was going to be a county in which Nikki Haley was going to succeed, it was going to be in this, one of the biggest Democrat strongholds. And even there, there's a spread. She says she's going to fight on to Super Tuesday. I, I don't know. Now, in 11 of the states coming up in Super Tuesday, uh, independents and Democrats can vote in the Republican primary. That must be what she's hoping for. I mean, if she didn't win <laughs> South Carolina. I know, I know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, yesterday in the first day of filing in Missouri, some interesting developments. Um, Dean Plocker, right? He filed. He did For file. lieutenant governor, which yeah. I think wasn't unexpected, but a surprise, well, a surprise to me. Oh, another no. filing was no, Kurt filed, Schaefer. Uh, yeah, definitely um, a surprise is Kurt Schaefer, who's going to join us later this yes, morning. Yes, that'll be great. At 810, um, known to many in the area, he is um, an attorney, uh, was previously elected, uh, previously ran for attorney general, um, and threw his name in the ring for Congressional District 3. Um, and so that is the big news out from yesterday, at least for mid-Missouri. In other electoral guest notes, Will Scharf, who's uh, running for attorney general, will join us at uh, 735. So you won't want to miss that as well. So it's a busy day here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. And uh, we hope you will weigh in on your thoughts on things going on around the world. Oh, I can't wait for the Hunter Biden filibuster that's going to happen on Capitol Hill today. Behind closed doors, transcripts will be released. But what? They're going to go probably all day. Yes, I think so. And, you know, this is this is round two because they tried this once before and he showed up (laughs) and he just grandstanded on the steps and never went into that closed door meeting. So uh, we'll see what happens. And the Fannie Willis, uh, Nathan Wade and now Nathan Wade's ex-business law partner. This is turning into uh, it's, it's it's becoming one of these soap opera 
televised trials. I mean, there was the O.J. trial. Uh, there was uh, who? Who were the the actor? I don't follow the actors. Who, Johnny? Not Johnny Depp. Who was it? Yeah, that was Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp. I mean, and now we got Nathan Wade's law partner getting himself all mixed up and then perjure, probably perjuring himself. I don't, there was a big, big attorney-client privilege dispute there. I don't. He met? Did he meet? Or someone's attorneys met with with uh, with the judge in that case? Can you explain, Stephanie, what I, was going on there? I. I think so, yeah. but uh, so I think he had claimed attorney-client privilege, and then upon further questioning, it was there was a question of whether he could actually claim that privilege. Uh. But because the privilege is very important, and you wouldn't want to uh, break it, you know, if it actually exists. I think what the judge did was said, "Hey, we're going to do some questioning in camera first and try to, you know, suss this whole thing out." What I saw yesterday, the little bit of testimony, I have a little sound on it. We, we'll play later, but I saw that uh, Nathan. Well, the, Terrence Bradley, the guy, uh, Nathan Wade, Wade's ex-business uh, law partner, was they were referencing in the questioning texts between him and Ashley Merchant, who's who's an attorney for the defense for one of the indicted, right? One of the Trump code in, indictees. Okay. Yeah, Michael Roman's attorney, Ashley, I think okay. is right. Okay, yeah. So it, it, is that why you don't have to worry? If, if you tell something you and i are on opposite sides right i'm suing you or you're suing me and your attorney contacts my attorney and they're texting back and forth is that protected i thought the only protected no, was no, no. that's what they were referencing okay yeah so i think that's where they got in trouble because he was essentially i think very not circumstantially almost directly saying that yeah well i told him to date her don't do whatever i don't know it was it was crazy i don't know it was some weird testimony didn't you yeah john didn't you find it interesting i mean and he he was struggling mightily to try to make any coherence out of his his past testimony what was on the text and what he was saying uh, you know at the time uh, during during his testimony yesterday it was it was crazy i mean that is a circus down there well, and then, you know, we, ha we were doing the radiothon Thursday, Friday, so we didn't really get to the tech, the, uh, the triangulation of the towers and how yeah. that appears to show that the, you know, relationship started much earlier. Thousands they, of texts, thousands of phone calls. And, and then say, <laughs> how, how, how can you spend that much time on the phone? I don't know. I don't I, talk to anybody that much. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, a, it, it's been, I mean, Talk about, you know, made for TV. It has yeah. been a wild ride, and, and it's not over. I know. Well, it's crazy. Brian Houseworth joins us now. Uh, Brian, you had some uh, some interesting interviews yesterday, right? You I did. I, I needed a clone. I needed a clone, and I, I know our listeners don't don't uh, support human cloning. I'm not suggesting that, but, <laughs> but I, I, I definitely, definitely, not. I know my... my it's Jurassic Park here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Exactly. Dolly and, the sheep. Yeah, exactly. But I, I just... There, yeah. were, there were so many, so many people that were yesterday and i i was at the capitol yesterday i did not go over to the kirkpatrick building but my two biggest interviews were congressman sam graves and congressman jason smith i don't know that our listeners really really understand the magnitude of having a missourian chair ways and means and chair transportation it's a huge it's never happened in my lifetime it will probably never happen again it's huge but both of them filed for re-election and uh and both met with the governor i'll talk more about the jason smith tomorrow but focusing on sam graves today um he met with the governor um in 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 you know i, I thought a couple of other highlights from yesterday December Harmon, she is a name that uh, people, I know Brandon used to talk about her when he was here 
on the show. December Harmon's an activist uh, who's involved in the Columbia Citizens Police Review Board. She has filed for the U.S. Senate to try to unseat Josh Hawley. And uh, this is an interesting race to me. I mean, she's well known here in Columbia, but not so much around the rest of the state. Carla May, of course, filing for the U.S. Senate and Lucas Coots. Josh Hawley was not there yesterday. I thought the other two things that really grabbed my attention um, were in the third district. Uh, Mark Alford referred to Taylor uh, Burks yesterday. Burks did not file, but of course he's still got a month to do it. Kurt Schaefer, uh, was, yeah. uh, we heard his name, but he did file yesterday, and then some other people did as well. Arnie Dinoff, Kyle Bone, uh, Bob Onder, Mary Elizabeth Coleman, just to name a few, were, were some of the others who uh, who did file. And I did see briefly, I saw Lincoln Huff yesterday. I didn't get to talk to him. He nodded at me, but he walked by, and he was on his way to file, I later learned. Um, but I was interviewing Sam Graves when he came by, and he filed for lieutenant governor, so... That is going to be interesting. And just, Randy, I hate to, we have to, we're going to have to correct some things on Twitter very quickly. Uh oh. If you look at the governor's feed, I, you know, and for the progressives out there, I've reported this multiple times. <laughs> they, they keep saying when he, he talking about his meeting with Graves, thank Biden, thank Biden for the money. Folks, I've reported it over and over again. That money is state dollars. The only federal money that's in there, of course, you know, we have to repeat it because you have to repeat this over and over again. The only state, the only federal money in there at all is the 90 million that came in. And that came in at the very end. All that's going to, it's going to help out, really help I-44 more than anything else. But I just, um, you know, people are saying on there that, you know, Graves, you know, didn't do it. It was all federal money. Um, and again, it's primarily almost all state dollars, the $2.8 billion. And who is this Laura Burkhart? Who is that? She's on Twitter all the time. Um, I think Laura Burkhart, if I'm not mistaken, that is a, woman who grew up with my kids just down the street in suburban st louis uh, she's in i think is that a different laura i burkhart? have no idea but she's there's a laura burkhart that owns a hamburger stand down in south city but she's very no active on the on the twitter feed yeah and i don't know which one it is but it, regardless she is saying graves you voted against all these things in about the 90 million or whatever in Obviously, she has strong opinions about him, but that $90 million, as I've reported, Graves didn't vote for or against it. That was a federal grant that came from the Department of Transportation with Pete Buttigieg. So, um, very important to note that. But, um, but, you know, those, the, just a lot of comments, surprisingly, about the governor's meeting with Sam Graves, and it all ended up being about President Biden. But hopefully, hopefully people will know that that primarily is a state project and uh, and we'll see what happens but graves did file and he told me he's not going to take any race for uh, for granted he's going to run this and there are a couple of democrats who are challenging him and a couple of republicans who are challenging him too boy he's going to be hard to beat though i mean he's got a large jurisdiction he's done a lot for rural missouri in times of trouble as rural missouri a lot of the cities are shrinking a lot of you know there's just a lot that um, he's been fighting for to try to you know restore the uh, the the rural missouri that that they knew i mean it, it, it because of i think a consolidation in the in the ag industry and other reasons it's 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 a different rural missouri now than it was just 10 15 years ago and and, and when i worked in radio in in carrollton in 1993 and 1994 there were three democratic congressmen from north missouri yeah. there's now one yep. congressman he's a republican so that is an area the democrats Shrinks. have got they well they've got to cut into the republican margins if they're going to win in rural missouri 
Perry. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be talking about the Daily DC Rundown. Lots going on. And later on, Michael Bakesha from Judicial Watch joins us. Uh, we'll also be talking with Will Scharf at 735 and Kurt Schaefer at 810. Lots coming up on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Listen to Wake Up Mid-Missouri from anywhere in the world by downloading our app for free. Let me say this. When I showed up today, my purpose was to express what I believe is the obvious truth, and that is that we must take care of America's needs first. When you talk about America's needs, you have to talk first about our open border. It's the Daily DC Rundown with Stephanie Bell. Yes, we are concerned about the border. That's and we Mike are Johnson. concerned about whether uh, anything will get done uh, as far as government spending or whether we will have a shutdown on Friday. Now, we have now, I think this is, we kicked the can three times. Yeah. Um, and we are maybe about to do that again. Of course, there was a big meeting in D.C. yesterday among congressional leaders. Uh, Speaker Johnson met with Biden, Kamala, Hakeem Jeffries, all, everybody. Uh, and there's really no consensus coming out of that meeting um, from what was has been reported. Um, but I, I, I don't think there's going to be a government shutdown. It's just everyone's in campaign season, political season. Uh, Biden's got the State of the Union next week. So, you know, if if we hold it up and we help shut the government down, you know, it's just it's a mess for everybody. And ultimately, I think, you know, there's not a lot of bipartisan issues, but somehow they always kind of come together right at the last Well, minute. close of business Friday is 60 hours from now. That's not a lot of time. I mean, and, and that's what we've said three times now, and they've always come, you know, done something. Aren't you glad to see Mike Johnson holding the line? I, I think am, that's fantastic. I, I mean, I think this guy, his demeanor, his solid, um, staid way of stating these things that it's just like well this is obvious i mean why are we even talking about this i like that well and i, I mean i think it, it, elections have consequences yeah. right and we wouldn't be in this situation if we would have gotten our red wave and you know i'm i'm nervous already for the next cycle um but you know certainly we would have a lot more leverage on some of these issues if we had more republicans in congress all right also happening today of course um hunter biden is expected to show up in a closed door meeting that is expected to go all day um this is the second go round for him. He had originally uh, showed up and done kind of like a media stump on the stairs of the Capitol, I think is where he actually did that. But anyway, he is actually expected to uh, to attend this meeting and answer questions. Um, whether anything will come of that, we will see. Uh, at the same time, um, we are expecting Biden to issue a new executive order today. <laughs> Another? He issues a whole bunch. <laughs> but I, on this one, you know, a lot of times he issues some executive order. It gets challenged in court and it goes by the wayside. You know, he did. He tried to do this student loan stuff through executive order this one i don't maybe i don't know that anyone will challenge it he's gonna he's going to try to restrict the sale of sensitive data to china and russia and other countries and i think for the most part like republicans don't want this you know data to go to china now how he goes about doing that um you know we'll see are they really trying to buy it i thought they just hack in and own it anyway i mean <laughs> what's what they We're don't need all, to buy yeah, it all on tiktok We're all connected. uh so uh, we'll see, uh, you know, what comes down in that executive order um, and how he plans to go about that. Of course, we've got Michigan primary. God, there's so many there's so many things going on <laughs> with the Michigan primary yesterday. Of course, um, a lot of folks voted uncommitted. Uh, not a good look for Biden. Um, also, uh, Nikki Haley is still losing um, and and still fighting yeah. for, for inapparent reasons. I guess wanting to be on the on the batters up circle. I, I don't know. I mean, and 
it's it's really interesting and i actually saw some um some support from folks for rfk uh from missourians yesterday and i thought <laughs> that's really interesting but there are some updates there um you know in order to be on the ballot uh, as an independent you do have to gather some signatures and rfk is saying he you know that they have gathered enough signatures to get him uh get his name on the ballots in states like arizona and georgia um and so how a third party might affect that race you know I I I have a feeling RFK is going to be this he's he may play the deal maker or deal breaker in this election. The I think spoiler. it may happen. He's the spoiler. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that, uh, that I don't think he's going to win. But you sent me a video the other day that he was appealing to young voters. It was a very appealing, very moderate message. I mean, you know, I found it appealing as a voter myself. Right, right. So how I mean, we haven't had a serious third party candidate in a long time. Um, and, you know, I'm seeing more and people love to Super Bowl ad. So how that affects the race, yeah. I don't know. And I know we talked a little bit about independent candidates yesterday um maybe it was off air because the democrats wouldn't let sarah unsicker yes uh run as a democrat and so i'm not exactly sure what she did but i did look up all the rules on independent candidates and you just have to go out yeah. i think you need ten thousand signatures you don't have yeah. to even turn them in until the summertime so yeah. she could maybe appear as a third party and candidate. hannah loves rfk without his shirt off I mean, you know, didn't you, didn't you say that, Hannah? Well, Hannah no, looked at me. I most Hannah just, Hannah just gave me the stink eye there. I guess. <laughs> Welcome a, to the gun show. John, I must have the wrong woman in my life that tells me that she loves the. Well, maybe that's my wife that likes uh, RFK with. <laughs> <laughs> He's too old for my taste. Ah, uh, I tell you, I think most guys would love to have a buff body like that. The guy, I don't I know. I mean, have you seen Mark McCloskey with yeah, his shirt off? I can't on? believe it. That guy works out. Something else. And he's armed. When we come up, Michael Bakesha coming back? Yep, Judicial Watch. All right, we'll be back. And don't forget, we'll sharp later. Freedom of speech. Practiced here daily. And perfected on the podcast. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Welcome back to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I'm Randy Tobler, along with John Morris, Stephanie Bell, and producer Hannah. And we welcome Michael Bakesha from Judicial Watch in this morning on the program. Welcome, Michael. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. Boy, you guys have been doing some deep, I'm talking about muckraking in the finest tradition of muckraking. And you've now caught uh, some Arab American influence in major American universities. Yeah, we, uh, for almost five years now, we've been uh, fighting along with and on behalf of um, another nonprofit organization, the uh, Zaycor Legal Institute, trying to figure out where the money from Qatar is going to our public universities, or I guess to our, to our, to our colleges and universities around the country, both public and private. And you recently had a piece, I think, in the Daily Caller kind of suggesting, hey, is this foreign cash? You know, is this why our youth are, are you know, protesting and, and, and are terrorists, basically supporting terrorists? Yeah, I mean, I'm shocked. I mean, I guess when I saw this Harvard poll back in November and December where, you know, about half of Americans ages 18 to 24 uh, support Hamas, um, which... It's a terrorist organization. Let's just say that. That's what the federal government says. That's what the State Department has said since 1997. You know, half of American youth are, you know, in support of a terrorist organization. And the question is why? And so uh, our piece in in the Daily Caller kind of goes through this idea that um, half a billion dollars being funneled from 
Qatar and its affiliates to universities um, may be responsible for part of that because we've been fighting to learn what strings have been attached. Where's all this money going and why is it going to our universities? Well, and it's not just liberal universities. I mean, the the one that you focus on in your article is Texas A&M. Yeah, it's it's absolutely shocking. We were fighting for five years against essentially Texas A&M and the Texas Attorney General's office to um, find out where the money was coming from and where it was going. And uh, we continued to fight that battle. But, you know, Texas A&M recently announced that they were closing their Doha campus in Qatar. And, you know, that's a step in the right direction. But that wasn't a half a billion dollar um, campus. So the question is, where's that rest of that money going? Yeah. And what's it being used for in Texas? You know, it's interesting to try to connect the dots between what you're finding and the political sympathy for the pro-Gazan, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, dare I say, movement among young people. And that includes that college bracket. Are there any definite smoking guns there as to how that money is translating into influencing their opinions? You know, we we haven't found the smoking gun yet. um, And that's because (laughs) they've been fighting like crazy, both... um, both Cutter as well as uh, Texan A&M have been fighting to keep keep the actual contracts um, private, mm-hmm. right? They're not just gifts to the university. Oh. They're, they're strings attached to them. Mm-hmm. And we want to know what those are. You know, what type of professors are being hired? Yeah. What are they being hired to teach? Um, there are a lot of questions. It all started, and I hate to say innocently, um, with, you know, this idea of BDS and divesting from from Israel. But, you know, that seems so quaint these days when now we're talking about support for terrorist organizations. That's a lot to digest. Now, you've also had an article recently about presidential sock drawers. And I, when we went to <laughs> law school together, I don't know that, you know, you would ever envision writing about presidential sock drawers. But I used to kind of introduce you to my friends. I'm like, this is the Hillary emails guy. because for, The Clinton for, sock drawer guy. Yeah, for a long time, you, you, you did a lot of work in court trying to get, you know, to Hillary's emails. And I know you were, uh, you know, did a, did a lot of work there. But, um, but so you've been kind of following, I mean, transparency one of Judicial Watch's big issues, but you've kind of been following these records issues, not just since, you know, the government invaded Mar-a-Lago, but for a long, long time. So talk to us about presidential sock drawers. Yeah, I mean, going back to almost right after we started graduating, uh, you know, after we graduated in 2010, transparency was one of my focus areas and, you know, kind of looking at what presidents can and can't do um, with their records when they leave office. And, um, you know, I think it's clear from the special counsel report um, most recently related to um, records that now President Biden, but was the vice president when he took the records, shows that everybody, every president does, whether it's Reagan, you know, starting with Reagan all the way down the line until to the current president, every president has taken records with him um, when he's left office. And, you know, the ranges are because he wants to write a book or, you know, what I think is more troubling, um, Vice President Biden took records about Afghanistan because he thought he was right and President Obama was wrong on the strategy and he wanted the records to prove it. 
um, most likely because he wanted to run for president one day and thought those records would be helpful. And so the question that, uh, you know, I raise in this piece is what's different about Trump? Why is he being prosecuted after his house was raided for records that every other president and, quite frankly, vice president has gotten a pass on? A lot of people have that questions about a lot of the prosecutions of Donald Trump. <laughs> Why is he so special? I think we all know. You're listening to Michael Bakesha, who joins us on Wake Up in Missouri this morning. Michael, I know you get beat up in the national press. I don't know if it was last year or so, but the the whole angle of the Presidential Records Act and the the semantics of agency records and presidential records. Yeah, it's um, you know, I think I think everybody wants an easy answer. Everybody wants to think, well, clearly what he took weren't presidential records. They were from the agency. But I, I also had a piece in the Wall Street Journal, um, I think it was over the summer, that said, look, he's not being accused of going into agencies and taking records that never came across his desk. What he has in his possession are records that he collected, he gathered, and designated and placed to a side, placed into a box uh, while he was president. And... Um, Last week, his attorneys down in Florida uh, filed a whole host of uh, motions, but he had two that I found very interesting. One was focused entirely in the Presidential Records Act, and, um, you know, it kind of followed along on what uh, several of my opinion pieces had said, which is that the president has the authority to designate what's personal and what's presidential. Um, and that's what he did in this case, and he can't be prosecuted for it. But the other one, um, and one that people almost were making fun of his attorneys for arguing, was on presidential immunity. And the argument there was when he decided to take the records, he was president of the United States. And so he can't be prosecuted for a decision that was made while he was president. And I don't know why that is not a winner of an argument, because even the indictment says, you know, this all started when President Trump um, took boxes with him while he was president. And to me, that seems to to be the end of the story that, you know, there is no real fight about agency records or personal records or presidential records or even what authority he may or may not have. Uh, to classified information because he was president of the United States. He was commander in chief. He gets to decide under the constitution, what are his records and what aren't. And that's what he did. Yeah. That seems like a privilege of the presidency. Um, but let's talk really broader implications because I know, for example, I mean, so you do transparency work across a lot of different States and here in Missouri, we've got, uh, uh you know, the sunshine law. And I think, you know, the more people request records, the more people decide, you know what, I'm just not going to write this down. I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to make a phone call. I'm not going to do texting. You know, I'm not going to put that in an email. We're going to have in-person meetings. So it, it changes people's behavior um, when when uh, when there's litigation or when there's, you know, a dust up over open records. Right. And so here, you know, say Trump gets reelected and he's he knows now, you know, that my records, you know, they might search my house and anything I take home. Isn't there an incentive then for him to not take notes, not keep, I mean, Mm -hmm. how does this change his behavior going forward? 
I think it absolutely does. And I, I think it cha- has changed over the years. It has changed behavior. I mean, why did, why did secretary Clinton, why did Hillary Clinton have a private server? It was because she knew all her emails would be subject to FOIA. And she didn't want that because she was going to run for president one day. And so, um, I think right now, as you've seen, everybody is thinking about how do I get around the law? Um, Hillary Clinton seemed to do that unlawfully. Uh, your suggestion, Stephanie, that people have more in-person meetings, more phone calls, you know, that's a lawful way to do it. And um, it may hurt transparency in the end, but, you know, the good news is we still get to see what our elected officials' policy positions are. And if we don't like what they're doing, whether it's by email or in-person meetings, then we get to vote them out several, you know, vote them out at the next election. And in fairness, though, I think if you've been in a position of leadership, you know, there are times when you throw stuff at the wall. And in these days of gotcha media, if all of that stuff, just ideas that are thrown at the wall, I mean, look at Trump's conversations about, well, what could we do? An alternate slate of electors could, I mean, you know, that's, that's not an action. That's a thought. That's a question. And those are getting turned into, um, you know, I think more than they really are in some cases. I mean, that's, I, so I, there's, I think there's got to be a sweet spot there and maybe bringing it back into a little bit of some sanity so that you can have a discussion about ideas through a personal conversation or a phone call, um, while still maintaining some transparency where you guys, that's where you guys are doing the great work. Um, that's good. I'm glad to see that. Hey, uh, thanks for uh, all you do for us. We appreciate all of that work. And again, we refer folks to Judicial Watch. Fantastic work you all are doing out there. Michael Bakesha, thanks so much. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, you too. It's great when they get these records and you just see what's going on with them. I didn't realize Cotter was flowing so much money into American universities. And like places like Texas A&M, I'm like, do we need to be looking into our own institutions <laughs> here in Missouri? Yeah, well, to their credit, they did cancel or stop their uh, their outreach satellite in Doha, Potter, so that's good to see. When we come back, um, I, you know, I, I've, got a, I've got an axe to grind about money being spent at conservative organizations. We're going to talk about that when we come back. On Wake Up Mid-Missouri, Will Sharf joins us at 7.35 and Kurt Schaefer, newly declared CD3 candidate at 810. Keep it here. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get an exclusive look behind the scenes of the show by watching on YouTube. Search Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Welcome back to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Along with Stephanie and producer Hannah and John Marsh, I'm Randy Tober. And, um, you know, there's something that I, I just, it's it's got my goat a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on it at 573-874-9390, either call or text. But there's this accumulating information that has me bothered about where our donations go to conservative causes. Ronna McDaniel is stepping down from the RNC. And it's reported that, I mean, lavish expenditures, limousine rides, lavish parties, um, you know, and I'm not sure how that advances the conservative cause. If I'm donating my hard-earned dollars, I go to the grocery store, I, you know, I buy some milk, a 
some fruit and vegetables, maybe pick up a little hamburger and I got two some pla- fondue supplies. Oh, fondue. Oh, I don't buy fondue because it's expensive, except for to share with people who are traveling with me to Switzerland. Thanks to everyone who came out to the meeting last night. Scotty Cox and I had a great time meeting everyone there. Um, at any rate, and you know, you, you spend 40 or 50 bucks and you have two little plastic bags. That used to buy three, at least three plastic bags worth. Well, then the story about the National Rifle Association, Wayne LaPierre, former executive director for a long, long time, got in trouble for lavish spending there. I mean, renting yachts, and it just goes on and on and on. And you think, well, I gave to the NRA for years, and I stopped giving because I I heard about this. I'm like, I don't need that. I'm looking at gun owners of America now. We have those people, I don't know, maybe they, we had, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Jesus, someone from there the other day. Uh, Jose, someone. You know what I mean? So I'm just thinking, what, does this, and we see that giving is down in the Republican Party, right? And you have to ask yourself, at what point are they, here they are asking us to support them in behalf of responsible fiscal management, cut spending at the federal level, that would cut into, if it's done right, it's going to cut into Social Security benefits, either extending your working years and retiring later, or maybe you're going to have to pony up for your Medicare benefits a little more out of pocket. That's the only way those are going to stay solvent, right? Um, So agriculture, you know, maybe farm subsidies, subsidies for crop insurance, you know. Why are we being asked to tighten our belt, but we're not seeing a lot of that going on in the organizations that we sponsor? Is that all lobbying that goes on that way? Is it just Republican? Is it not Democrat? I don't know. It's a black box for me. Well, remember, gosh, remember back to 2020 and what they say? The Biden campaign raised like a billion dollars. Right. That was the first time, I think, that it topped a billion. Yeah. And Trump was about three quarters of that now, so it, you know i'd like to think talking of, real money when you get to that if the democrat the and you know what if the democrats said you know we we go to we go to walmart or sam's or you know high V and we just buy a, a bouquet of flowers in the water there and we have our glass vases from the from the meeting we had last year and we put them in there and someone throws some glass beads on the table and that's our centerpiece we don't hire someone for you know a hundred thousand dollars for centerpiece at an rnc event but they don't the democrats spend money just like this how and do we, we know because, i don't know because because the reason why we know all these rnc uh expenses is because it's reported to the fe and so that's how they've totaled up all of these limo expenses and hotel expenses and whatever else. But I think, you know, when you're asking someone, you know, from pr- pr- the private world to come in and run one of these organizations, and she took a lot, Rana took a lot of criticism from Harmeet Dillon when they faced off, and part of it was over expenses. So I do think, you know, hey, let's take a look at the expenses, see if they're, but, I, you know, I don't fault her for, you know, People, you know, if you're meeting with really fancy donors and you're asking for big checks, then your meeting better be at the Four Seasons. Warren right? Buffett wouldn't ask for that. Well, Warren Buffett Warren, is, is like a one, of, one of a kind. I like but, Warren. I mean, we ought to, we <laughs> ought to have, have the more. the meeting at McDonald's. I want to have well, more Warrens around. Well, yeah, but these these are, when you're when you're at that level, these people are used to the Four Seasons. They're used to private car services. That's, that's 
just you know that's that's what they're used to and that's what you have there are things you have to do in order to appease the people that you are working on behalf of and in this instance people saw the expenses and they're changing leadership so ultimately it's on us as citizens and donors to take a look at these expenses and if we don't like it get rid of the people at the top which you know is right that's what what's happening yeah and yeah, then so- the candidates create a leadership <laughs> pack and to back other candidates and somebody else's political agenda and it ends up being a slush fund <laughs> i mean but think but even but think about it on the private like on uh you know on uh just like local nonprofits, right they ask 